Entrepreneurs Trust podcast. In this one, I'm really going to focus on the business model and it's really about being able to break your business model before the pitch, before the investors break your model and break your motivation, break your ambition, break your tier threshold and everything else as well. And the reason I wanted to talk about this is because I've seen so many pitches that have started with really confident, ambitious, energized entrepreneur with them only to be walking away five, 10 minutes later, completely embarrassed, tearful, without that swagger that they came in with because the investors or the mentors or their peers before them have just torn their business model to shreds. And there's good reason these things happen. There's good reason for these things to be done. I mean, it's great to have a practice of your pitch before that really tough meeting with the really valuable investor happens. But what happens when you've done all your homework, you've done all your preparation, you've developed a business model canvas, you've talked to customers, you've done your financial plan, the cash flow and the profit statements. And then after that, you've got your superb pitch practiced and tested and you still get torn to shreds. Why do these things happen? Well, what I want to talk about is the importance of the business model what it's based upon and why it's important to have this absolutely strong and robust. But I also want to talk about what I believe entrepreneurs goes wrong with the pitch and their assumptions. And I'm going to talk to you about some of the answers that I believe might make a difference. So let's start at the beginning. The importance of the business model. Well, you know, it's a really good way to explain what your business is, how it makes money, the value chain, the assumptions that you've made. And it's good not just for investors to understand your business model, but also for your team and your customers and your stakeholders. You want to be able to explain your business in a clear concise manner that is easily understood especially if you're in a new type of space you're a disruptive organization you've created a platform in an industry that doesn't have platforms or never had anything like any e-commerce or e-platforms within it or you've come up with something that's so revolutionary that you know it displaces a number of parts of the business ecosystem so it's clear that these things are useful and I hope that your business model or a business model that you're working on or involved with is based on a number of pillars. The first pillar is reality. You've actually done real research, you've spoken to real customers, you've actually gone and dug out the information from source rather than making things up. And research is really important, but Google is as dangerous as it is useful. You have to go beyond just reading information in your first search. You have to dig three or four layers deep to get that information. And sometimes it's so easy to just to skirt around and look at other competitors' websites and click through their products and maybe read a few reviews. But you really have to test that research. And testing that is perhaps where more effort is required but can pay dividends. And I, and I think I don't see pitchers actually testing their assumptions enough. They make an assumption that their business model is going to be revolutionary, it's going to make lots of money. And if those assumptions are not based on hard evidence and also talking to people, talking to people is something that young entrepreneurs don't do. And I'm not just talking about young, I'm talking about new entrepreneurs as well. They don't talk to enough people that actually understand their industry. 
they rely upon written information. And that written information is put there by a person who's got a task to do. You know, maybe he's got a word limit, maybe he's got a time frame, or maybe she doesn't have the focus to have the wider vision. So you can't trust what you read. And the other thing that these business models are based upon are hopes and ambitions and optimism of the entrepreneur themselves. How much can you trust your own optimism? How much can you trust your own ambition to give you a clear view of the information in front of you? If you see five bits of information that are all positive and you see one that's negative, does that mean it's mostly good? Or does it mean there's a red signal there that I need to research more into that negative? Because that negative might be the one that kind of pulls it all down. So I think an entrepreneur has to use their hope and ambition at the right time. And when you're building the business model, you have to know when you're being hopeful and ambitious and optimistic. So when you go and present your pitch and it's based upon hopes and ambition and reading information and light level research, it only takes somebody who actually knows a bit about the industry to pull a hole in it. And it could send the whole house of cards tumbling down. And you don't want to be in that position. You don't want to be in the position where you've put a lot of effort to get to that pitch which could lead you to the next stage of your business only to have your hopes and dreams shattered because you didn't look at the reality of the situation you're in and I've been there myself a couple of times so what I'm talking about here in this podcast is trying to understand where entrepreneurs go wrong and let's see what we can do to fix that. I think the first thing is to know what state you're in mentally when you're doing the research. Are you in an optimistic state? Are you in a hopeful state? Are you in a logical state? Are you in a creative state? Are you in a rush? Are you panicking? Are you in stress? And that can cloud your judgment. I think it's really important to do as detailed assessment of the facts as you can and go as far as as you can to the source material. If you're basing your market analysis upon the revenue of key players in the industry, you've got to look at their financial statements because they may have just bought a company recently that is not in your industry and that's bumped up the revenue. What are the trends in their financial forecasts? Do you see revenue declining? Do you see competition increasing? Do you see margins at pressure? Where is the geographical focus of their business? You have to factor all those into account because if you're using the top line figures and you don't understand what's behind them, then that's gonna cause you a huge problem. If your business was in retail five, six years ago and you look at the key players in the retail market, let's say groceries, and you included Tesco PLC figures, we now know that those figures were overstated, they were incorrect, and there may have been some integrity issues behind those figures. That can cause you a problem further down the line if you were doing a pitch at that stage too. So you want to go down to the as much reality as you can. The state of mind that you need to be in when you're doing your assessment of the industry and developing your business model is that you need to be brutal with the data and the facts. So if you're brutal with the facts and the figures and you're pessimistic and in an investigation mode and you need to be convinced that the information is correct and not accept the information as factual, you're more likely to be in the state of mind as the investor 
or the people listening to your pitch. And if you're in their state of mind when you're putting together your data and doing your analysis, they'll know when it comes to them assessing that information, well, you've done their job for them already. So what I'm saying is that you need to be in a position to have broken your business model before anybody else gets close to it. Do your plan, do your financial forecast, present your market data, but then look at it in such a brutal manner that you are actually taking it apart yourself. You're pessimistic, you're cautious, you're not willing to take any risks and tear every bit of your business model apart. Look at your whole ecosystem, the value chain from the point where raw materials, software, uh, the first click is created all the way to the end where the customer receives their goods and consumes their goods and disposes of it or writes the review or pays the money. Follow it all the way around from the beginning to the end and look at where things could go wrong. If you're making a physical product that requires testing, assume that the testing organization is gonna get it wrong or it's gonna be delayed, or they're gonna make mistakes, or your raw material supplier is gonna be delayed and it's gonna be underpriced when they quote and it's gonna be overpriced when you receive it or it won't be at the right quality standards that you, you need. Assume everything will go wrong when you devise your business model. If you assume everything could go wrong and then you look to find the solutions and you add that into your business model, then you will have seen every single hole in your business model. And then you are in a position to fix those holes in your business model before the investor even knows that they existed. Now, I'm not telling you that you need to present every single hole in your business model to the investor. But what I am saying is that if you're willing to be tough with yourself and with the information, that when the investor tries to pick a hole in your business model, you won't be shocked, surprised or, or stressed by it. You will calmly be able to address that with data and facts because you've already done that research. So the more brutal you can be with your business model, the better position you will be in. The more your feet are in reality when you devise that, the better your answers will be. The next thing I think is really important is knowing what your mission is in your business. I think it's really important to understand where you're heading and why you're heading there, what your purpose is as an entrepreneur, what your purpose is as a business is, and what that means, your values that are important to you and that will help you achieve your mission. It can be tempting when you're a struggling entrepreneur, bootstrapping your way forward to try and go for any opportunity to get the money you need to make the business start moving. But not all investors are the right investors. It's not about the money when you get an investor it's about what that money allows you to do and if you get the wrong investor because you have not clarity on your mission then you are effectively having to buy into their missions and objectives and goals and ambitions because you haven't got the strength of courage to have clarity on your missions and your vision and your values so the more grounded you are and the greater the clarity you have over where you're going and why you're going there when you do present, get the opportunity to pitch to investors, to meet them and put forward your pitch deck or your teaser document, the better you'll be able to evaluate whether that investor, that customer, that supplier is the right one to be working with for your businesses, 
future. And I often see entrepreneurs you know, excited about meeting investors only to find a few weeks later that it didn't go anywhere because they offered an awful valuation. There was no chemistry. The objectives that they were focused on didn't fit where the entrepreneur wanted to go. They seem very disappointed by that. Whereas I think that the correct way to look at those opportunities is as a two-way conversation to decide whether this relationship is the right one for you. A good friend of mine once said to me that taking on an investor is like a marriage and it's almost worse than a marriage because in his relationship, they were able to take time to get to know each other, understand each other and go out together and really understand each other's values and character and likes and dislikes. Whereas the investor, it's really about the money. It's really about how much they are going to give you or how much you're willing to give for that and the number of board seats they want to take and the clauses in the term sheet. Whereas if you get a investor on board they're going to be with you for three to five years and if you get the wrong one on board gosh that could be three to five years of hell whereas if you get the right one on board if you look at these opportunities to pitch as a two-way interview you really get a chance to evaluate for yourself whether they're the right one for you and you should be courageous in that and confident in your questions and it will also turn the pitch into a more fluid and eloquent pitch because you're going there knowing what you want rather them from a position of need and if you go there from a position of comfort and clarity you will have the ability to speak from the heart you'll be able to excite the investor you'll be able to infuse them with your passion whereas if you go from it from a perspective of fear that you can't pay the bills if you don't get this pitch and you don't get their money or from stress because you're nervous because you're not sure what they might ask it could go very wrong for you so if you go in there with that clarity knowing that it's a two-way discussion and it didn't go well well it might not have gone well because you weren't impressed with what you heard from them and you may be in a better position to reject those investors because they were not a match for you and there's no reason why you should not reject an investor even if they have the money because you're not comfortable and confident that they were the right fit for your organization when they ask those difficult questions, you're gonna be able to confidently answer them. And if they don't ask those difficult questions, then I think you should have alarm bells ringing in your head, thinking these guys, they're just not getting this. They're not asking me those difficult questions. Do they actually know what they're talking about? Are they gonna add any value to my business on my board? When I've met potential business partners that didn't ask me enough questions, but were talking about the opportunity to work with them and meet with their executive team and go on their private jet to see the opportunities that we were working on, fills you with a real excitement. But then these are the guys that don't normally follow up. They're the guys that have to ask lots of other people for support to go ahead with the investment. They're the guys that are more about ego than about strong business relationships. So you have to be brutal in this process. The former CEO of GE, General Electric, would use the term steel hand in a velvet glove. Whether we like the way General Electric worked or not is not the issue, but that's how investors behave. They're really nice, come in and meet us, come and talk to us, tell us what you've got to say, because they know they've got to see lots and lots of pictures to find the real diamond in the rough. But there's no reason why you shouldn't be like that. If more entrepreneurs were steel handed in a velvet glove and saying yeah we'll come and meet you we'll come and talk to you but went in there with a lot more clarity about who they are and what their missions and values were they would come out of those pictures feeling better 
and better because if they f- didn't feel that the investment opportunity was right because there wasn't chemistry with the investors that their values were not aligned with your own that their focus didn't align with where you were hoping to go they had ideas that didn't fit what your objectives were or their valuation was just completely wrong for you or they didn't ask you enough questions they didn't inspire you with confidence then you'll come out of that op- opportunity thinking you know what that wasn't right for us you go home thinking that nah, let's cross that one off the list and you can go home thinking you know I put my effort in really pleased to have got the opportunity to pitch it's practice for me but it isn't right for me and you walk out of that with some backbone and comfort in yourself and your judgment will get better and better and when you have the opportunity to meet with the next investor you'll grow in your confidence you'll be able to ask better questions and then you'll know when the right investor is in front of you when the right customer is in front of you when the right suppliers are in front of you because you will feel from what they're saying through logical assessment of their words and their proposition and the opportunity you'll connect with their values and their purpose and they're the ones that it's worth putting effort into and maybe flexing with those good people if they have good ideas that add value to what you're doing then you will flex but if you go to these things with fear and stress and anxiety and neediness then how far do you have to flex to find the right opportunity how far do you have to bend away from your core objective so let's go back to the beginning here break your business model before anybody else does be brutal with the facts, be brutal with the data, push yourself to get as near as possible to the source of the data you can, test the data, challenge yourself, challenge all your assumptions. You'll be a better entrepreneur for it, you'll make a better pitch for it. And it's a two-way street. When you do get to that pitch, it's an opportunity for you to find the right investor and stakeholders as much as it is for you to put yourself forward to potentially great partners to work with. I hope you found this one useful and interesting. If there's any questions you have, feel free to ping me an email. If you want to talk to me, we'll arrange a conversation. Get in touch. I hope you found this useful and we'll catch up at the next podcast coming really soon.